Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, the weather outside is frightful, but inside my pipe bowl so delightful, so on with the show. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Hey, coming to you again pre-recorded because, you know, sometimes life just gets in the way. Uh, Gonna rant about that a little bit at the end of the show. Uh, In tonight's show, though, in Pipe Parts, what makes a good pipe? Or, as I'm going to say it, how to determine if a pipe is good for you. That's what we'll talk about. Uh, My guest is pipe maker, forum moderator, Zach Hamrick. I talked to him and recorded this interview a couple weeks back. And you'll learn some stuff about Zach that even I didn't know. Uh, Christmas music. Carrying on Christmas music, this time with Frank Sinatra. We'll do a, uh, a slightly abbreviated mailbag because I'm actually recording this on Thursday night before I head out, so there's not much mail in there, and a couple of Christmas gift-giving ideas. So, a lot to get through tonight. Hope you're enjoying your holiday season. Uh, I do want to take this brief moment and say that uh, we lost my friend and uh, world-class pipe maker Peter Heeshan. Peter passed away on uh, Saturday a week ago, and we got the got the email while I was gone last week on uh, Monday or Monday evening. Um, Peter was always, always happy to see people, be out around people. I had the uh, privilege of having dinner with him on a couple of different occasions, and uh, Peter was the uh, classic, classic Danish gentleman that lived life to the fullest, enjoyed a good drink, and um, I used to tease Uncle Peter, as I called him, and I'd always kiss him on the forehead because he was a good seven, eight inches shorter than I am, but I always teased Uncle Peter that uh, the better he, the more he drank, the better his English got, so... Peter, you will be missed. All right, everybody, fire up those bowls in uh, honor of the late Peter Heeshan. Sit back, relax. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are 
smokingpipes.com. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Welcome back. All right, pipe parts. Uh, so here's the question that I received from George, and this goes back to uh, early in the summer. And it says, so my, my question concerns how to evaluate a pipe for purchase other than running a pipe cleaner through it. What do I look for to determine whether a relatively new pipe maker has mastered the engineering demands and not just the fancy word, uh, the fancy woodworking techniques? All right, so what I want to do is I want to break this down into, uh, first of all, understanding if a pipe is going to work for you or if it's a, if it's a pipe that's going to be good for you. Um, as you practice smoking a pipe and learning the art of pipe smoking, you'll figure out things that you particularly like. Um, myself, for example, I particularly like that all of my pipes have a quarter inch of wood all the way around the bowl. That is a way for me to make sure that the pipe's not going to uh, get too hot for me based off of my smoking techniques. Um, I make sure that a pipe has a stem that is going to be comfortable for me. Um, it's a little harder to do online, but you start to look for a stem that looks flat in that I look for a stem that looks flat in that last quarter inch before it gets to the button and then I look for a slightly pronounced top button top side of the button those are things that I look for um, now when I'm evaluating a brand new pipe maker and to go more towards George's point yeah you want to make sure that a pipe cleaner fits through it especially if you're talking about an artisan or handmade pipe there's no reason why a pipe cleaner shouldn't make it through unless it's a severely, dramatically bent shape. Um, what I'm going to look for is uh, is symmetry where it belongs. And what I mean by symmetry where it belongs is if it's a lavat or a billiard, is the shank straight? Uh, is there a little weird wobble? on one side or the other. If it's a traditional shaped bowl, is the bowl evenly shaped to the eye? Uh, the signs of a pipe maker that has not got their shaping down yet is you'll see a little, uh, a little bulge in the shank or the shaping of the bowl will be uh, not asymmetrical but just not correct. It'll have a it'll have an oddness to it. It may look like where the bowl is placed a half inch or a quarter inch off center of the shank, giving you the uh, giving you the appearance that the bowl is off to the side. Um, that is something that tells me that the pipe maker is still honing their craft and 
I'm not ready to uh, I'm not ready to invest in that pipe maker at that point. A um, couple other things: if the if you want to figure out if they're using the right kind of wood or the uh, or properly aged briar, pick up the pipe or look at the weight. Uh, look at the weight in the description. Does the weight of the pipe look like it's heavy for those dimensions? If you pick up the pipe and does it does it feel heavy for the size? The heaviness is probably briar that is not properly cured or is very very dense. Um, you want briar that is properly cured or is not real dense because you want it to be able to absorb the heat and dissipate it away from the bowl. So a heavy feel to the pipe is something that I'm going to automatically say that's not something that I'm looking for. It may be something that uh, that other people want in their pipes, but I know for a fact it's something that I am not looking for. Um, when you start looking at pipes that are shaped extravagantly, but the shaping just doesn't seem to be uh, seem to be organic. It looks forced. That's probably a pipe maker that is not quite there yet. Uh, look at their Lovats, which I do, and if they've got the right proportions of bowl to shank and shank to stem, then I know they've got the eye or the, uh, or the feel for it. Uh, the other thing, of course, is look at the stem. Look at the stem. Look at the slot of the stem. Is the slot properly opened up the way a artisan or handmade pipe should be? Uh, can you see a definite draft hole, or is there a nice Ving or uh, or or uh, flaring out of the draft hole at the at the stem? Uh, is the stem nice and flat, or is it still kind of round going through there? Now, a couple other things I want you to keep in mind. Um, as you determine your own smoking style, if you like the acrylic stems that are mostly used on Italian pipes, ebonite is going to be different for you and it's going to feel different to you. So you may want to look for a uh, you may want to look for an artisan pipe maker that's using bakelite or acrylic. Um, if you've gotten accustomed to the older English pipes and you like the feel of of uh, vulcanite, the softness of it, ebonite's going to be a little bit firmer, but you're also going to want to stay away from anything that uses bakelite. It's just going to be too hard on you. So it's really a combination of finding out what you like about your best pipes, looking at the pipes that that you are potentially interested in, and figuring out not only are they good quality pipes, but do they work well for your pipe smoking style. Um, I hope that makes sense to you. I hope, uh, George, I hope you understand that. Um, it just takes, it takes time. It takes a lot of time to figure out what kind of pipes you like, what kind of tobaccos you like, and how they work well together. So there you go. In uh, just a few minutes, my uh, discussion with Zach Hamrick. This is Internet Radio. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. 
The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection, from the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these, a strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from uh, the lovely western central coast of Florida is Zach Hamrick, pipe maker, uh, in your free time moderator on the forums at Pipes Magazine, and uh, you don't do either of those as your full-time job, so we'll, we'll get out into all that, but Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Pleasure being on, and uh, been wanting to do this for a while. I've talked to a lot of folks that are out at the uh, different pipe shows and uh, not really had a chance to talk to some of the guys on the forum that we interact with all the time. Yeah, so when did, uh, first of all, where did you grow up and when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, I grew up in uh, Memphis for about 25 years and then went over to Nashville for the next 25. And actually started smoking a pipe. It was uh, my grandfather, I guess, really got me into it. In my living room, I've got a picture of him smoking a pipe over the old ice cream churn in the backyard. And that was uh, Prince Albert, one of my earliest memories of that. But I actually started smoking a pipe, I guess, when I was 25. I had a business over at Opryland, and I was making pipes. I was selling tobacco. I was selling cigars and just... I had a good time, and uh, at the time, loved cherry tobacco, didn't know any difference, and didn't know why I shouldn't like it. <laughs> you are just having fun and smoking away. That was it. That was it. Really some ugly pipes, too. <laughs> just unbelievable. You know, we, we talk about some of the ugly pipes today at the time. You, know, you really didn't have anything to go by. You know, you had wire from Pimo and supplies from Pimo, and that was about it. Nothing like the Internet today. So how long have you been officially making pipes? Well, I've officially been making pipes for 30 years with about a 26-year break is the way I like to put it. <laughs> I uh, had, the, had, had the shop at Opryland. And I was a wood carver and sign maker and made probably 200 pipes at the time that, as I mentioned, were really ugly, you know, all preformed stems. And for 30 years, I guess, I carried around six boxes, the toughest Algerian briar you've ever seen. <laughs> and I guess it was uh, three years ago, maybe four years ago, I saw what was left of a pipe repair shop on uh, 
on uh, Craigslist for $150. I said, Greg, I said, you know, I, I need a hobby again. Why don't I go get this and I can make pipes with some of that briar I have? And that was sort of started phase two. Now, in between that time, what all have you been up to? Because I, I know you just haven't been sitting around on the beach waiting for that, uh, waiting for that ad on Craigslist. No, I wish. You know, it was uh, at the time I was, uh, I actually quit the woodworking business entirely after about 10 years because I had a chemical asthma from being around uh, redwood sawdust for many, many years. It took several years to get over that. Uh, but, you know, went corporate. I had three kids to raise. And so didn't think about much else until they were out of school and the usual thing. Got divorced, moved down to Florida, and just went wild for a few years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I kind of channeled that all into rebuilding houses. Had a 50-year-old cottage we rebuilt down here. And that was, you know, kind of got me up to about four or five years ago. And Greta and I, who a lot of folks at the, the pipe shows knows, is always with me. Uh, Greta and I met about eight years ago, I guess. And, uh, and then started pipes up again about uh, three or four years ago. And and Greta tamed you, thankfully. Uh, I'm not sure if she... <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll use that term. <laughs> uh, now, you know Greta, she thought she's not shy about letting people know what she thinks. Yeah. Uh, so during the time in Florida, I mean, the pipe making is not your full-time job. What else are you doing? Now, primarily, uh, I was very corporate for a while. I was with Xerox and middle management, and probably for the last nine years, been uh, involved in retirement planning, you know, primarily insurance-based. And I also, uh, that's one of two businesses we have. Our second business, we actually do yacht funding, which is why I wasn't in the pipe show over in the West Coast Pipe Show, because unfortunately that conflicts with the Fort Lauderdale uh, Boat Show every year, which is the biggest uh, biggest opportunity we have to go do loans on very very big boats. Uh, what what size boats are we talking about, and how big are these loans? Uh, the biggest loan we do is about the biggest loan I personally worked on was thirty five million. Most of what we do though is much smaller. You know, anywhere from two hundred thousand up to about three or four million. That's... We actually have a picture up uh, that was on Instagram beside a 163-foot boat that was at the show. But they had, they had boats up to 210 feet at the show. You're going to need a bigger boat. So for uh, I'm imagining sure. for uh, double-digit millions of dollars, you're getting something bigger than um, uh, bigger than something that sleeps four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for a uh, the really big boats, I, actually, I take it back, the biggest boat at the show was 250 feet. <laughs> that particular boat has a 25-man crew, sells for $110 million, and it costs about $14 million a year to maintain it. Uh, and 10% rule always applies. If it's a $4 million boat, it costs four hundred, five hundred thousand a year to maintain and crew it. Wow. That's what we refer to as redistribution of wealth. You start with a lot of it, and then you go get a really big boat, and you have less of it. <laughs> Or, or as I've heard it, boat is just Italian for hole or Latin for a hole in water where you throw money. Exactly. It's much worse than that. <laughs> that was the one, one agreement Greta and I had was that uh, when we got married, I had to sell the boat. I had a 45-footer, a 45-foot sailboat I spent two years restoring. And so got rid of that. And at that time, I guess I looked around and said, oh, need another hobby. And that was where the pipes came in. Yeah, so let, let's talk about your pipes because you've 
Uh, I mean, they, they are no longer the uglies of old. They're incredibly beautiful. How did, did you have to kind of relearn what was going on and when you started back making pipes again? Well, what I knew really didn't apply because 30 years ago it was perfectly acceptable, acceptable to use a freehand style stem. It was a preformed stem and just a big block of wood, and if it sort of looked like a Benway freehand, you were a genius. <laughs> and the, the, the quality has changed tremendously. And so I, I really did. You know, my goal the first year, I think I made, on average, I make about 50 pipes a year now. And I, I kind of cringe when I look at what I was doing three years ago. And I think that's really something that has helped tremendously is that we do so many of the pipe shows. I, I get a lot of feedback from guys as far as, you know, things that we need to change. I kind of remember the first show we ever did was at uh, the West Coast Pipe Show and, and had all these pipes I was really proud of. I'd done about 20 of them. No feedback. I lay them out on the table. Actually, the night before when everybody's in the bar hanging out, I looked at some pipes and realized I was in trouble. The next day, I cut about $150 off all my prices, and I ended up going home with every single pipe that I made. Oh, no. Did not fill a pipe show. But you, you, you get good feedback. You learn, uh, you know, what some of the issues are. Uh, got a collector here in town, Harris, that a lot of guys know who was has a lot of high-grade pipes. And I literally went through all those pipes and took measurements of all the critical parts, especially the stem, which is something I'd never done before. And it probably took, uh, I'm probably at a pipe number 150 now, and pretty happy with the stems, pretty happy with the flow. Uh, but still, every single show I go to, you know, some of the guys, uh, whether it's Jeff Graychick or uh, Bruce Weaver uh, or Teddy, whoever it may be, really great about uh, giving me feedback on some things I need to change. Do you approach the block and look for the bowl or look for the pipe that's in there, or do you have an idea of what you want to make and then shape that block to it? If it's a standard, one of my fairly standard shapes, I like to take that fairly standard shape and then go look for the block. But if it's a really nice, uh, everything I use is plateau. I direct source all of it from one source in uh, Montecito, Italy. Uh, but if it's a more of a freehand or type of pipe, I'll actually start sketching onto the block itself. And I have one. You know, I have right now. I have sort of pipe maker's block. I've got one block. I've drawn about three different pipes on. And I'll probably still sand that off and keep going until I, I get a shape I like that really fits the block. Wow, so you so you've tried a couple of different designs on that, just looking at the block, and you're and you're just not happy with them. So you're you're going to keep digging at it. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I'll give you a good example. I've got a really nice, really nice piece of plateau now that's a giant. It's uh, ten inches, and so I'm looking at that, and I can either get a couple of you know, do I get two or three standard pipes out of it? I try to do a Canadian, which is really tough on my uh, blade, the Sunday of 20. Uh, so, you know, I'll do some sketches on different pieces of it. Uh, if I don't like what I have, I'll just sand it off and start over. But that's kind of, you know, especially if I'm going to leave natural plateau on a, on a block or if I'm doing something that's a little unusual, <coughs> uh, there I'll do a lot of sketching. And, and I find it best to sketch directly on the block. I do have a uh, notebook I carry with me, especially for flights, and I'll do you know, two or three different designs on the flight, uh, which is my best time to really think about, you know, some new shapes that I want to work on. Is, what was the, I mean, what was the hardest single part about pipe making for you to get a grasp of? 
I really think the getting used to the yeah, I've done a lot of work work on the wood lathes before, but a metal metal lathe was frankly just scary uh, when you're not when you're not a machinist and you've not really had any formal training on it. Trying to learn something that on a piece of equipment that effectively can be a very dangerous piece of equipment, trying to learn that on the internet is probably not the ideal way to do it. Uh, but you know, I was just real cautious and uh, really read just. Uh, Jeff Graycheck in particular had some great uh, videos out at the time, and I looked at all those several times and, and went through it and managed to avoid hurting myself. But, uh, you know, I'm very comfortable with it now. And then sandblasting is, is a discipline unto itself. You know, I started out with some really great industrial equipment, but that's probably a third of the solution. And, again, it was a matter of going to shows, showing some of the guys whose blast I really admired, what I was doing and said, do you have any suggestions? And, and the guys will usually be more than happy to help you, but what they won't do is spoon feed you. Yeah. You know, I would have, uh, oh, who was it? It was uh, Nate, I think it was Nate at one of the shows, looked at my blast and he said, finer. I'm going, what do you mean finer? And he goes, finer. I go, oh, finer grit. And he just sort of shakes his head. <laughs> and so I went home and tried different grits three different nozzle sizes, five different variations on the on the uh, blast pressure, and finally changed it. And at the New Orleans show, I'm talking to Bruce Weaver, and he looks at it, and he goes, change angle. I said, oh, okay. So I went home and tried a different angle, and that made a difference. All those things help, but, it, but uh, you have to, you know, the guys really want you to have done a little bit of your homework. They want you to kind of discover things on your own, which is, I think, a great way to go. So it's kind of like a big jigsaw puzzle, and they give you a few pieces, and then you fill in the rest. Uh, you really do, and it's, uh, you know, Red Davis, his work I really admire, and, uh, you know, Harris had quite a few of the Red Davis pipes, so, you know, I, I, I'm influenced by those quite a bit. You know, Red said, don't, uh, one thing I think was attributed to him is don't try to make the perfect pipe, just make a pipe and repeat often. And I think a lot of it is that, you know, I see a lot of the guys that, that start making pipes, and they get discouraged uh, because it's it's very expensive. Uh, you have to at some point start selling pipes to feed the beast. But if you do a pipe a week or two pipes a week, you're going to and are critical about what you do. You're going to gradually improve on that. And things that you have to really think about at first just become muscle memory, and you don't have to think about them. You know, I, I, I totally am lost sometimes shaping a pipe. I won't even be thinking about it as I'm shaping. And there are other times where you're doing incredibly picky work. I have, you know, a replica I did of a 1952 Lady Dunhill, which had a, a shank that was 332nd in diameter <laughs> with an ivory inlay. And I actually, on the lay, was working under a uh, lighted magnifying glass. This is the only way I could see it. Wow. So it varies a lot. It varies a lot depending on what you're doing. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more pipes, bamboo, and other stuff with Zach. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. 
fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Zach, and 3.30 seconds. My God, that had to be a, uh, that that was a delicate, uh, a delicate piece of work. Well, it was. I actually lined that with a piece of uh, carbon fiber tubing, which I use a lot of that, just to give a lot of strength on the really small pieces like that. It tends to be very light as well. A lot of the uh, Danish guys were uh, were using that. Zhao Reese, uh, for example, Learned that from him. I think also uh, Tom Elting, I think, uses some of that. But it's very nice material to work with. Do you like working with bamboo? Actually, one of my favorites. I, uh, you know, like everything I, I, I buy, the bamboo I get directly from China. I usually buy it a kilo at a time, which <laughs> uh, black bamboo and the regular white bamboo. But uh, out of the entire batch, I'll get two kilos in, and I could, I'd probably use ten pieces out of that total that I find really interesting. Uh, those are very different to work with because, you know, the lighter bamboo, the natural bamboo, you've got a much thicker skin on it. So when you're sanding it, you can sand, and, and you don't have to be quite as particular. In the black bamboo, though, you just get a very thin layer of color on that black bamboo, if you even touch it with the sandpaper, you'll go right through it and then ruin the piece. But I really enjoy it, uh, especially like layering it with a few materials that we're not able to work with much anymore, uh, like ivory, for example. I had some antique ivory in them. Uh, I won't be doing that past uh, December just because of some of the new regulations coming into play. But love layering things in with you know multiple colors and um, uh, some of the exotic woods and the bamboo. And I've done a lot of bamboo with mortar as well, which is a very nice combination. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about this on the show. So you you order a whole bunch of bamboo, and then you've got to look for the sections of of it that will work for the pipe. Correct. Yeah, normally on the white bamboo, two kilos is about uh, eighty pieces of bamboo, and there will be about eight or ten of those in there that I actually like. You know, what I'm looking for are things like the diameter that'll fit. Also, like uh, the nodes to be spaced fairly closely together. Uh, sometimes I like a piece that actually has a little bit of a bend in it, uh, so that I can uh, straighten it out, drill it, and then rebend it, and have some bend chains on the bamboo pipes. Uh, those those could be a little tricky. But uh, I don't know if right or wrong. But one thing I decided to do from from when I first started was to direct source everything. You know, I use. Uh, 
for my opinion, for a few things, but I direct sourced my briar from uh, Carlo Colina over in the Montecito, Italy. We visited his family three years ago, I think. Uh, I direct sourced the bamboo from China. I have some garnets that come directly out of Thailand. Uh, I buy all of my stem stock directly from SDM in Germany. And so it's, you know, I know that way you know exactly what you're getting. You know the quality. And so the only unknown is, you know, what I can do with it, whether I can, you know, achieve what I'm trying to achieve with the pipe. So it's, so it's truly not an American-made, it's an American-assembled pipe with all these imported products on it. Uh, yeah, simply because we, you know, except for bamboo, there's some bamboo that's used in this country, but everything else comes from out of the country. Uh, all raw materials, of course, you know, we're, we're dealing with strictly rod stock on the SEM stock. But I've worked with a variety of them. I've worked with some of the Japanese uh, ebonites, for example. Uh, I don't think they're as good. I think the German is the best. And the uh, folks at SEM, I uh, had a chance to talk to them in Chicago last year. And just, you know, they've just got great materials, beautiful colors, uh, some very unusual colors they've come out with. And then the material, as far as the briar, uh, I find it really helpful to, to know who you're buying the briar from because a lot of guys will buy it for, from some good sellers in Italy that's redistributed through uh, uh, Vermont uh, Freehand, for example. But the guy I buy from, I know he only gets his from the Montecito area within about a 60-mile 60, 60 radius of where Montecito is. A lot of the other buyer being sold from Italy may come from all over the med. Uh, it kind of helps because I know what to expect. I know how dense it's going to be. I know how it's going to sandblast. I know that I'm going to have about one piece out of 50 that will be a complete reject. Uh, it helps a little bit as far as consistency and quality. Yeah, and it makes going to Italy fun, too, for to go hand-pick Briar. Well, yeah, the only part that's not very fun in that is when you get audited by the IRS after a couple of years, they say, let's see, Mr. Hamrick, so you make pipes. What kind of pipes do you make, and why did you have to go to Italy for your pipe business? Uh, I actually managed to save about 80% of that right off. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Maybe I'll go, to it I'll go to Italy and do an interview and stay for three weeks. Uh, I'm not sure it's worth. The, I'm not sure it's worth the pain and suffering. <laughs> <laughs> so, in your in your free time, uh, besides being a moderator on the forums, you've also written some books. Yeah, I've actually got two books out right now, and a third book on the way. But uh, mainly books that are. Oh, one of the books is uh, Crescent Rising. Uh, basically, they're all under my name on Amazon. But uh, two books, and at one point, I was. You know, selling about, uh, oh, 500 books a month or so, uh, which was pretty good for Amazon. But a lot of those are actually set in Italy, so if, if anybody's ever followed some of our trips to Italy, which I always post on the forum, you know, they'll actually be able to see a lot of the different places that are in the books, uh, different characters that we've run into. Uh, I think that's what's fascinating. I always try to blend some of that local culture in because you've you got some just amazing people over in Italy and uh uh, primarily Southern Italy is our favorite place to go. Now, these are all uh, fiction? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much. If you like Tom Clancy, Clive Custer, Ben Slynn, uh, they've been compared to that by people who really shouldn't compare them to that. But the same type of uh, adventure, espionage-type books. 
and it's under Zach Hamrick, Z-A-C-K, last name H-A-M-R-I-C. So you can go find them on Amazon. Uh, did pipe smoking make it into any of them? You know, at the time, I wasn't smoking pipes. That was where all my time went, was into the writing. Uh, I've got a new one that I'm working on now, and I think pipe smoking will work its way into there. There we go. So we'll have a little uh, little mystery pipe smoker. You have to. You have to. Maybe even a female female pipe smoker, because if you've ever seen pictures of our trips to Italy, uh, Greta and her daughter, Vanessa, who is actually one of the pipe babes on the site, uh, there's more than a few pictures with them smoking a pipe together, which gets us a lot of un- gives us a lot of interested looks when we're over at a uh, little outside restaurant in Italy. You, you don't see a lot of uh, you don't see a lot of women out smoking pipes, especially in Europe at all. Uh, you really don't, and the, you know the thing is that anytime you anytime I smoke a pipe, Greta smokes a pipe with me. Uh, I, I'm a infrequent pipe smoker, you know, about once a week. Uh, so it's something we enjoy, good glass of wine, smoke a pipe out on our back uh, lanai. Uh, not a bad way to go. And the good news is in Florida we can pretty well do that year-round. Yeah, I'm jealous because we're cold, so I don't want to hear it. Um, uh, going back to pipes for a minute, what does your pricing start out at? Actually... I think right now my pricing is anywhere from about, I have some as low as 175 Typically that'll go up to about, on the very high side, about 450 But I would say average is going to be somewhere in that 200 to $275 range. Covers covers about 80% of what I do. Uh, a lot of inlays and a lot of uh, additional detail work will uh, typically run it towards the high side of that. And is there a pipe shape that you've wanted to make but you haven't, figured out how or haven't gotten the right block yet? You know, I'm about that. I'm actually sketching it out right now because what I've not done that I'm really thinking about is a, is a stubby bulldog. Um, that may very well be my next one. I've got a good block for it and just really, uh, you know, kind of like a bulldog with a, with a bulb that's about 1.1 or one and a quarter inches deep. Um, should be a nice little pipe, though. And I'm I'm also assuming that if uh, people need a uh, if people need some insurance or uh, need a loan on a boat, they can uh, reach out to you. Absolutely, and the good news is I like to throw in a free pipe with every boat loan. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe even a bag of stone, even if it's a really big one. <laughs> I I would just I would assume if it's a big one, that would be a yachtsman shape. Uh, you know, it actually would. Now, actually, to tell you the truth, I've actually got a nautical Dublin sitting in the case right now. So, yeah, not bad at all. Uh, how would you like for, I guess, through the website, they can get a hold of you, which is uh, Uh Lots of pictures of really pretty pipes on there. Uh, so, and just skimming through there, you can see the differences between your classics and some uh, really beautiful sculptural pieces. Oh, thanks. It's a, uh, I try to do a little bit of both because I'll, I'll go through phases where I do some really unusual takes on, on some shapes. Uh, I think, you know, everybody's kind of familiar with the snap and turtle design I do, which is, frankly, it's a volcano with a little 
extra thrown into it. <laughs> I'd probably do more of those than any other shape. I've done maybe 15 of those, I guess. Uh, and it's the reverse calabash design, which I also really like the reverse calabash designs as well. I tend to be very good smokers. Uh, my dad had a snapping turtle when I was growing up. She was the meanest thing you'd ever see. Yep, and you called her mom? <laughs> yeah, now that's the truth. Um, <laughs> Zach, we'll wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Oh, this is going to be scary. Go for it. What is your favorite pipe? Snapping turtle. And what is your favorite tobacco? Stonehaven. And how much do you have and where is it? Oh, I'm kidding. Don't answer that. You'll have people coming down there. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Uh, that would be Ardbeg 10-year-old scotch. And does the does that go well with Stonehaven? Absolutely. Anything goes well with Stonehaven. <laughs> Biggest problem is that Greta's so spoiled that she won't smoke anything but... but she'll smoke a good plague, but she prefers Stonehaven. <laughs> um, when it's time to relax, uh, th this is a silly question for somebody who runs a couple of businesses, makes pipes, and writes books. And uh, Do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Actually, music. I'm a, I'm a vinyl guy, and I buy a lot of brand-new audiophile vinyl, and I uh, just I really enjoy, you know, Sedate or something like that. Can't beat it. So do you have a whole... Uh, <laughs> this will bore people to death, but that's okay. It's my show. Uh, I mean, do you have a whole setup special just for the, just for the vinyl? Uh, actually... Not so much. It's I've got a uh, I, I blew out my really good Yamaha amp. I've got a dinner right now. I've got a preamp on that and uh, a couple of KDF speakers. Uh, it's not a bad setup. Pretty good. Pretty good turntable though. I've got a oh which one is it actually? Yeah, turntables. A uh, Biogram twenty four hundred. I've been through a couple of those. I, I like them pretty well. Yeah, so sit down with a drink and a pipe, and okay, now I got the picture. Uh, last question: Any particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory? Yeah, I think so. The you know really one of the best ones ever is sitting at a little outdoor restaurant, a place called uh, La Gratelli, over on uh, Capri. Uh, basically, a two thousand foot drop off into the Med. This restaurant was actually built into the cave. The partisans used to hide there during World War II. They got a guy named Mama Rosa, or a lady named Mama Rosa, that screams their idiot son all day long, and just sitting there with Greta smoking a pipe, enjoying a glass of uh, Porto, uh, two or three glasses of Porto actually, and uh, having some really great pasta. One of just one of those great memories. And a lot of times with the pipe, you know, it's not about the pipe smoking activity; it's who you're with and where you're at. Absolutely. Uh, again, to check out Zach's Pipes, it's zhamrickpipes.com. Uh, thank you for all you do on the forums. You uh, moderators don't often get any credit, but I know it's a 
It's a lot of work, so we appreciate that. Toughest thing about being a moderator is after a couple of drinks, restraining yourself when you really want to put a snarky comment on that you would have to later go back and censor yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Can't moderate the moderator, can we? That's it, that's it. Zach, thank you for joining us. Brian, thanks very much. Enjoyed it. We'll be back in just a minute. Craftsmanship. History. Tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. This is Internet Radio. And we are back, hey, for uh, Christmas. You know, one of Zach's books would be perfect as a stocking stuffer. All right, um, abbreviated mailbag and uh gift guide and rant still coming up but for music tonight i found a uh, frank sinatra christmas medley yeah frank doing a medley of some of uh, some of the greatest christmas songs so here's old blue eyes oh little town of bethlehem are still
Now, if that doesn't put you into the Christmas spirit, I don't know what will. Nobody could do them like Frank Sinatra. There is a message for you. And a quick mailbag. As of the time of recording of this on Thursday night late, John Seiler writes, Hi, Brian. Such a variety in answers to the Fast Five questions, which is indicative of the pipe-smoking community. Yes, you are correct. And uh, still got more to go on that, too, so... Uh, John writes, I know of Howard Schnellenberger, but have not met him. I do not know very many people who smoked 18 hours a day and wherever they wanted. I got in on the end of the wherever you wanted time period. It's a shame he was forced to give it up. Yeah, but I can't blame him. It was well worth it. Uh, Music, We Are the Champions, symphonic version was neat. I agree, chorus not needed. Clarence Gatemouth Brown was a good selection. Uh, let's see, maybe uh, Gadget isn't a pipe smoker. He's referring to the 
to the uh, iTunes review from last week. Uh, rant headlights and taillights using LEDs gives a designer a lot of opportunity for design improvements. It also gives the young the opportunity to mod their vehicle. I hate the high-intensity lights at night. Nice show. I think some designers need to just stay away from the high-intensity or the LEDs. Uh, Casey Ghost writes another good episode. Uh, the Fast Five are cool. We all spotted Steve Fallon quickly, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, the music was interesting. I like the symphonic version of We Are the Champions. It had some class to it. Gatemouth Brown is not someone I can do in large doses, but his Christmas song was very pleasant. Uh, Howard Schnellenberger has had a very strong career. I was surprised at his comment that they knew exactly what play Nebraska would run when they went for the two-point conversion. I know all of us here in Big 8 land, as it was then, were shocked at the play call. Nebraska had been blowing Miami completely off the ball the whole fourth quarter and then tried to finesse pass play. Um, Howard also didn't mention his disastrous tenure at Oklahoma where he actively alienated every Sooner fan in the state in one year. Nonetheless, he had a great career and was interesting to listen to. Uh, Dan says, I guess the light thing doesn't bother me as much as you, but it does seem silly. Some of them look like cuttlefish eyes. Okay, there you go. I saw some cuttlefish a couple weeks ago at Disney World. Uh, Jerry Roman 1 says, Hi Brian, I just heard my first Pipes Magazine radio show. Welcome. You got uh, a little bit of catching up to do. Um, I thought the idea of having a pipe radio show for those avid pipe smokers like myself was very refreshing. I will be a regular listener to the show from this point on. Glad to have you. Uh, Jerry says, I thought the interview segment with Coach Schnellenberger was conducted very well, and I learned more about him than I've known in the past. The show was very interesting all around. I feel like a person that was able to smoke 18 hours a day and have to give it up was a man of great discipline, and the reason he gave it up was quite uh, commendatory, Jerry. Yeah, I I agree. Uh I think Coach was a man of discipline, and I think that's why most of his teams were very, very successful. Um, I'm glad you all enjoyed the uh, the chat with uh, with Coach. I was a little nervous, honestly, going into it because I'm not, you know, I know pipes and pipe tobacco, and I know Disney stuff, but I'm not a big fit football buff, and it was interesting to uh, talk to somebody who the pipe was a utilitarian thing. Um, also, back on the forums, there's a fun thread that was bouncing around that I was watching that was uh, uh, referring to calling a tobacco seller a seller, and uh, I thought it was interesting because uh, we really none of us really have a cellar, which is a room in the basement built into stuff or built into the ground where you store stuff. We have a tobacco storage. We have a uh, uh, we have a, uh, a stockpile of tobacco. Um, I personally have one cabinet that keeps all my uh, miscellaneous tobaccos in, and then I have some very large cardboard boxes that keep all the uh, that keep my large amounts of very few blends in. So there you go. Uh, if you've got any place 
that you store tobacco that's fun, hey, let us know. Uh, speaking of tobacco storage and gift ideas for pipe smokers, antique stores, uh, junk malls, whatever you want to call them, are a great place to find old tobacco jars. Uh, you know, the old, uh, the old tobacco canisters, the old ceramic or porcelain ones, and they make uh, great gifts for us pipe smokers. Don't worry about storing your tobacco in it. Just use it as a display piece. Uh, old cans of old over-the-counter or drugstore tobaccos make a great way to uh, decorate a smoking area. They're great-looking old labels, and don't worry about the tobacco, but you'll find a lot of them at antique malls, and they make a great little gift for us pipe smokers. Um, also, don't forget us pipe smokers. We always need uh, pipe cleaners. Little 50-gram tins make great stocking stuffers for us. Uh, if your pipe smoker uses matches, get them the best matches that you can find. Great little uh, gift ideas, and of course, hey, you know, listen to the first part of the show about where I talked about determining if a pipe is good. Figure out what your pipe smoker likes, and we all like uh, new pipes. All right, uh, please, if you get a chance, leave a rating or review on iTunes. We do appreciate all of those, and uh, share the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your friends out there. And in just a moment, rant time. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. Cupofjoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. Cupofjoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly pipes. Check out their remodeled website at cupofjoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, cupofjoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Instead of a rant for this week, the doctor, yes, the newly minted doctor here, has a prescription for you. The prescription is for you to take time to savor the moments. 
Uh, the holiday seasons can get uh, rushed and hurried and chaotic, and things can get uh, overrun with uh, with uh, you know gatherings and parties and uh, all kinds of chaos to our normal routine. Well. I want you all to take time to step back, relax, and savor the moments. Uh, I mention this because all in this past couple of weeks, uh, we lost Peter Heeshan. Several of my friends have lost uh, family members. Our own family's kind of going through a transition with our son going to be away for the first time and daughter just coming back from college. So take time to savor those moments. Uh, if you're worried about family and friends, take time to sit back, relax, and think about them. Uh, if you're missing family, reach out to friends. Friends of friends of yours in your area will be absolutely wonderful for you to spend the holidays with. But please do take time to savor the moments, relax, reflect on the moments, and enjoy the holiday season instead of getting caught up in the rush of the uh, commercialism and the uh, chaos of the schedule just sit back relax and savor those moments because that's what's going to last also please make sure and if you are out driving around don't drink and drive this holiday season way too many holidays get cut short because of uh people doing stupid stuff out there so be safe be sane be relaxed take time and savor the moments all right there you go uh moments to savor hey a brand new episode of the pipes magazine radio show every tuesday night at 8 p.m got some free time go back through and listen to the archives all 168 or so shows are sitting there waiting for you to re-listen to with your pipe and Relax and enjoy those moments over and over again. All right, I want to thank Zach for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for all your positive reviews and ratings. We do appreciate all those. Uh, Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Tonight's show is dedicated to the memory of Peter Heeshan. Until we meet again, Uncle Peter.